Hello, dear listeners. Today in the studio, Ksenia and Maite. And we are so excited <laughs> because we were looking forward to this conversation. So, in this episode of Point of View, we are going to talk about sex education. Right. But no Netflix show. <laughs> no. We honestly realized how big this topic is, how global it is, and how many aspects and need much more than one hour to discuss it. So yeah. we decided to do a few episodes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Our page is Mushtar FM and don't miss new episodes. Yes, we are over helmet because we want to spread our knowledge, our feelings, also. yes, <laughs> our feelings and our experience about this topic. And in my opinion, sex education is a taboo topic in many countries and in many yes. families because sometimes we can live in a country where this topic is not a taboo, but there are a lot of families that or where they don't speak with their children mm -hmm. and they even don't speak between themselves i mean partners don't speak about exactly. this topic yeah so first of all what we are going to talk about let's start with the basics what is sex education why it's vital how different is it in different countries what are consequences of the lack of education what is normal what is not normal And uh, also we invited experts to help us figure it out and compare the experience and knowledge of people from different countries. Let's get started. Before we start, Maite, let's explain to our listeners why we decided to choose this topic, why we are concerned and interested in it. Yes, as I said before, honestly, I guess this topic is not one topic more than we can discuss and at the end of the recording or at the end of the program, we go to next topic and that is all. Sexuality is a, an essential part of our lives. We are sexual people and we have to write to know and learn about ourselves. Sex education is not just about teaching about sex, reproduction and how to avoid problems. We need to know about our own body's issues such as why do I bleed every month? Why the period is painful? Why do I wake up erect in the morning? For that reason, as I say Senia before, we won't be alone in this program. We have different guests. For us it's very important know different answers. Opinions, right? Opinions, yes, because we are from different countries, we are from different families because maybe I'm I'm from Spain mm -hmm. and maybe my family is very different from another Spanish family. Mm -hmm. And I think for us and for your listeners it's important to know how important is speak about sex education. We don't need to to feel shy about this topic because it's our life. Yeah, that's true. So what's about me? I'm concerned about this topic for several reasons. A lot of us, right, as you mentioned, have shame, stigma, maybe just general discomfort around sexual health. 
and our own sexuality. How do we talk about it? And so education is so important to empower us to know ourselves, know what we want and understand and respect each other. So for me, that's a part of self-development. Exactly, because sex education is more than giving information. It's actually to prepare young people for a healthy sexual and reproductive life. Yes, and also someday we may have children. And I would like to talk to them openly, correctly, and what is even maybe more important on time. Yes, 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 yes. So understanding what, when, and how to say That is, I have to educate myself before educating anyone else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's logical. And I speak with freedom because sometimes people, teachers in a school, don't want to teach specific subjects about sexuality. Mm -hmm. Because for them it's also stigma yes. and they like are embarrassed to speak uh -huh. about this. Yes, yesterday I watched TED Talk and the host was speaking about that, how he attended a class when he was a child mm -hmm. and the teacher didn't want to teach them about biology. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, about reproductions, about genitals mm -hmm. and reproductive life. Mm -hmm. And the teacher told them, like, okay, don't worry, because this part of the subject is not part of the next test. Uh -huh, so test is more important than life. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's like, okay, I have my genitals. I can see my genitals every day, and I need to know how it works. Yes, and uh, yes, yes, for sure. And the last and most important reason for me, I'm from Russia. And uh, I'm horrified by the current situation in my country. We have frightening, horrific statistics on HIV infections, early pregnancies, and even teenage suicides that, in my mm. opinion, is connected with lack of sex education. And also idiotic laws that make the situation even worse. Therefore, I'm sure it's necessary to speak about this. It's crucial to speak about this. Speak loudly and globally. Yes. You say before, people sometimes think sex education leads to early or increased sexual activity. And it's not true. That is a myth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in this field, there are a lot of myths. A lot of prejudice. Hmm. And yes, that's a, a big problem in many countries, really. I think, in my opinion, it's better to learn about sex education from our parents and from education system than our friends, because sometimes we... Mm -hmm. Or internet. <laughs> or, or internet, yes. <laughs> better than that, for sure. Because sometimes we ask our friends, and okay... Our friends maybe can help us, but they don't have the truth and they aren't professionals. Yes, for sure. And maybe they also uh, don't have any experience and also are full of all these myths. So they just promote, you know, more <laughs> and more uh, these myths in this field. And it can be dangerous for your health, for your life. Mm -hmm, exactly. And it's sad to see how young people prefer 
to search information on internet or watching pornography mm -hmm. instead of to ask their parents. Yes, but you know, right? Pornography and sexuality education is nothing, nothing no. like similar. No, 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 no. But and pornography. Also, yes, sorry for disturbing because also that's usually an argument of people who are against uh, sexual education because that's uh, not uh, good for their children to know this part. And they thought about this as <laughs> about pornography for some reasons. I don't know. <laughs> yes, and. I don't know why they use pornography to to go against sex education mm -hmm. because professionals in this field the first thing that they often say is pornography is not real life. Yes, that's true. And that's also a problem because I know that's okay, maybe not about children, mm -hmm. and that's about adults. A lot of people have uh, problems with their sexual life because they think like everything what is on Instagram or in pornography is true life and they feel, you know, uncomfortable or not confident about themselves and also have a lot of complexes about mm -hmm. their body because of this. And that's vital to explain that that's not real life. That's not that nothing, nothing similar with your life. Yes, and they have this kind of expectations. Yes, expectations. And also that's about, we will talk about this also. That's a vital part about agreement. I mean, how to ask about sex, how to mm. get <laughs> right answer and how to interpret it because no means no. And that's all, not like in some movies. Yes, exactly. It's very important to know what is consent because sometimes people don't know that and they want to to recreate pornography videos mm -hmm. and it's not healthy and it's, it's not good. And anyway, you cannot protect your children <laughs> from the mm. internet, unfortunately. That's impossible. Even if you <laughs> think you can, sorry, you, you cannot. And in this case, that's so vital to explain them before, <laughs> you know, facing this reality, all these important things. And again, That's why sexuality education is so crucial. Perhaps to better understand the current situation with sex education, it's uh, worth looking at the history of its development. Yes, we have a brief history about sexuality education in Europe. And sexuality education in Europe as a school curriculum subject has a history of more than half a century. Mm -hmm. It first began in Sweden in 1955, followed by many more Western European countries in the 70s and 80s. The introduction of school-based sexuality education continued into the 90s and early 2000s. First in France and the United Kingdom and subsequently in Portugal, Spain, Estonia, Ukraine and Armenia. In mm. Ireland, sexuality education became mandatory in primary and secondary schools in 2003. There are a lot of countries where sexuality education is not mandatory 
such as Spain or even <laughs> such as Russia where it's impossible to organize because of laws which mm. we talk about later also the focus of sexuality education has changed in line with the educational and public health priorities of the time but most key elements have stayed the same it starts with the prevention of unintended pregnancy in the 60s and 70s, then moved on the prevention of HIV mm -hmm. in the 80s and awareness about sexual abuse in the 90s. Finally, embracing the prevention of sexism, homophobia and online bullying from 2000s onwards. Today, an analysis of gender norms and reflections on gender inequality are important parts of sexuality education. Okay, let's briefly sum up. 1930. In Sweden, sociologists Gunnar and Alva Murdal introduced sex education among low-income and large families in which parents did not know about methods of contraception. 1956, the Swedish, again, government has officially introduced compulsory sex education lessons in schools, as you mentioned. 1956. Can you imagine? 1960. In the United States, a sex education program was introduced at a time of rapid urbanization and the weakening of the role of the church in society. 1970, compulsory sex education lessons appeared in France and Germany and became the norm in many European countries. <laughs> What about Russia? 1994, the Russian authorities have allocated two and half billion rubles. Okay, that's difficult now for me <laughs> to, <laughs> to count in euros, but just believe that's a lot. To develop a sexuality education program. However, at this time there were many opponents of the innovation which ultimately led to the freezing of the project, unfortunately. 1998, the UN has recognized access to reliable health information as a human right, which also includes information on contraception. Since then, the organization has been promoting sex education in Asia and Africa, where questions about sexually transmitted diseases and early pregnancies are acute. And 2004, more than 90% of U.S. parents, I cannot imagine, consider sex education to be an important part of schooling. Of course, the current situation has developed differently in all these countries. And as part of this podcast, we also conducted a survey of people from different countries of different ages, asking them the same questions about the topic in order to compare the results. But more on that later. Yes, for example, one of our guests, is my little sister and she's 18 years old mm -hmm. and I think she took lessons, uh, sex education lessons at a school mm -hmm. 
but I think it's not very different. Uh, her lessons with my lessons that I no, I never took. But you you studied in Catholic school, right? Yes. yes How yes, it's yes. possible <laughs> to organize sex education <laughs> lessons in Catholic school? Tell no, us. No. Actually, I was thinking now. I never took an sex education lessons. Nobody, nobody cared. No, about exactly, education. exactly. Like <laughs> yeah, the same sex situation. was prohibited. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's stigma, right? I had the same situation. I didn't have any lessons, and I even cannot imagine these lessons in my school. But it was really good school. Even honestly, usually when I ask people about this, they mention like biology lessons, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, on these lessons of biology, they were talked about some. Part of I don't know. We can say sex education, but that's not. No, it's not sex education. Maybe it's reproductive yes, life. Yes, yes, something about reproduction. Yes, but I even don't remember we were talked about this because our teacher was about seventy and she was so conservative. And uh -huh. she, I even cannot imagine, she even cannot pronounce, not pronounce, but just say these words. Fortunately, I had good teachers and they taught us about biology and reproductive life, but nobody went to the school to speak about this topic, to, to speak about sex education. Mm -hmm. And maybe I have friends, uh, they attend another school, not Catholic school, and in these sex education lessons, they only learned about how to use condoms. Mm -hmm. At least it's already, you know, a lot, yes. actually. And I think... My sister, she took these lessons when she was, I don't know, 14 or 15. She will tell us more about her Yes, experience. because I have no idea. <laughs> I know how it's in my family because mm -hmm. we have the same father, <laughs> different mother, but same father. And I think and I know uh, we have this freedom and confidence to ask our parents. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool, really. Mm -hmm. You're lucky. Yes, yes, yes. And my mom, for example, when my sister started in the puberty, maybe, I don't know, 12 years, she always show us different videos. And my sister was 12 years, but I was 80 years. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was very easy to learn at home and know my mom Uh, was always to answer my questions. And sometimes I asked her about her sexual life. And mm. my mother was, come on, you are so rude. <laughs> that's private. <laughs> yeah, that's private. It's private relationship. You don't, you don't need to know about my life. But, you know, if you want, I can share with you experience. But that's so cool that you even could ask. I mean, that you didn't feel embarrassed or some, no, I don't know. Sometimes my mother feels more embarrassed yes, than me. Yes, for sure. I can imagine my child would ask me, okay, mom, what's about your sexual life? <laughs> yes, and sometimes I speak more with more freedom than her. Because I remember once one conversation with my aunt. She was talking about different sexual toys. And my mom, my mom is young than her was oh my god why why are you talking about these things in front of me and in front of my my daughter and i look my mom i was mom i'm 25 years <laughs> i'm adult and then maybe i have one of these toys in my room and my mom oh my, oh my gosh but she was shy in this conversation but mm. she always tried to talk with 
me and my old sister, she always told us, like, you need to go to the doctor and ask. Mm. You don't mm. feel shy because they are there. Yes, yeah. and they are professional and they are there for one reason, to help mm -hmm. you to know your body. I always ask everything. You don't need to hide. That's cool. But that's also interesting and controversial question about boundaries. I mean, for example, you <laughs> said as an example, you even could ask about like this, this and this, your mom. That's also usually a controversial topic for parents and I don't know, psychologists, which information is enough to children in which age because maybe that's too much and uh -huh. even maybe it can harm children mm -hmm. because maybe that's you know too much to know about this. yes but for that reason there are a lot of research to go step by step because yes. maybe one child i don't know five years don't need to know about sex toys, right? Yes. But that's also a big delusion that you should talk with children, you know, when we're, I don't know, 16 or 18. Because unfortunately, that's too late, really. Mm -hmm. Yes. In my opinion, you need to speak with your children first when they are kids about genitals mm -hmm. and about consents, mm -hmm. about privacy. Yes, and uh, with private boundaries, mm -hmm. like like that's not normal if somebody touch you or do something you don't want to. Exactly. And after that, when they are, I don't know, eight, between eight and ten, maybe you need to start to teach them about sexually transmitted infections, contraceptions, mm -hmm. and these kind of things. Fortunately for us, we have this amazing opportunity to ask professional about yes. all these questions. So Maite, introduce us this person. Yes, she's one of my best friend's mother. Her name is Gloria and she's nurse. She works in a health clinic called Planet Parenthood in San Diego, United States. We are very international yes, today. Yes, true. And she has a lot of experience and facts to explain us. And I think it's very interesting to know her opinion because it's professional opinion. I remember I spent in her house a lot of time. And I remember I can ask her about everything. And her mother, for example, provide her the contraceptions. Mm -hmm. And that is good because sometimes... We don't ask our parents if they can yes, yes, buy contraception. I couldn't ask my parents. No, me I neither. don't know why. I just even didn't think about this, like how it's possible to ask <laughs> parents. Yes, 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 me neither. But I remember my mother sent me to the doctor to ask about contraceptions. Mm -hmm. It was nice because maybe in that moment it was, Mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can mom. imagine. It's a... It's a bit awkward situation, yes. but that's nice that you hmm. could freely speak about this. Yes. So, let's listen to Gloria. Hi, my name is Gloria Moreno, and I work for Planned Parenthood in San Diego, California. My role is a medical assistant, and at our clinic, we do various types of visits. 
and consultations and procedures. I will continue to explain what procedures and what kind of visits we do. We asked Gloria to tell us more about clinic where she is working. Our company is a non-profit organization, partly funded by the government and partly funded by donations. And some of the services that we provide are sexually transmitted infection testings, in other words called STDs for sexually transmitted disease or sexually transmitted infections. Things like gonorrhea, chlamydia, HIV, hepatitis, syphilis, uh, different types of STDs. We also do birth control. Different types of birth control methods can include, for example, the pills. We have also to offer the patch. We offer the ring. We offer an implant in the arm. We offer IUDs, which is a intrauterine device. Um, and then we also offer permanent uh, sterilization, both for men and for women. Another service that we have is um, pap smears and clinical breast exams. And we also do treatment for STDs and we do pregnancy tests. We also do abortions. Now there's two types of abortions that we provide in our clinic. There's the medication abortion, which is done in the privacy of the home of the patient. She just comes to the clinic to get her uh, first dose of pills and then she takes the second dose the next day and that will continue with the process of abortion in her home. The other type of abortion that we provide is the in-clinic abortion, which is basically a section procedure and we do that in our head office in downtown San Diego. We also provide gender affirmation hormone treatment. What that means is if there is a female who wants to transition in becoming a male, we give her hormones and vice versa. If there's a male who wants to transition in becoming a female, then we give them the uh, hormones needed for that process. We don't do surgeries, change of sex surgeries, but we just do the hormone therapy. And we also provide vaginal ultrasounds for our clients who are looking to get an abortion. We would have to measure to see how far along they are. And the other service that we provide is medication to help prevent AIDS. It's called Discovy, and that will help you avoid getting AIDS. It's like preventive medication. What about sex education in U.S. schools? Sex education in the U.S. schools depends on the state. More conservative states, for example, back in the Southeast, uh, do not offer sex education. And if they do offer it, it's very limited, whereas more liberal states um, do offer sex education. But we still get patients who are not fully aware of what goes on with their bodies, of how to protect themselves, how to um, avoid pressure from their partners or boyfriends, how to avoid pressure and being able to say no when they're not ready to have sex, because that's a problem that I see often with our young patients, that they're coerced by their partner, by their boyfriend, in having sex before they're ready to. 
So, who should promote sex education? Schools or parents? I believe that who should provide sex ed is in schools. Parents can find this topic very difficult to approach and speak about with their children, especially their younger children. So I believe the best way we can inform our teens and preteens about sex education is through school. The teacher might have a different subject and that could be the sex education subject. And I feel that this should start at say 11 or even 12 years old. Um, nowadays, there's more young people experimenting with sex. We have patients as young as 12, 13 perhaps, coming into the clinic for birth control. So the sooner sex education is taught, the more aware they are and the more prepared they are to avoid uh, pregnancy, unwanted pregnancy. Yes, I don't feel that... Um, the teens and preteens get good sex education. There is a lot of taboo in homes, especially in Hispanic culture, to avoid talking about sex with your parents, and parents try to avoid that subject. So it's better if it is covered in school because there's not that relationship as close um, with the students as a parent would be. So. I don't feel that you have good sex education, both at school or with uh, parents. We have to have more programs to make the teens or teenagers aware of all the different possibilities of birth control they can have access to, just to avoid all of these uh, non-wanted pregnancies that they encounter. So even though I'm quite lucky to counsel the the teens, when they come in on all the different types of birth control, if they are not on birth control, I try to counsel on what's the best control, birth control for them. And that way we can avoid having them get pregnant and therefore having them get an abortion. But I'm very proud to be working at the company I work because we provide uh, health services for a lot of people both with insurance and without insurance because we are a government and state funded program we have programs that cover men and women who are not insured thank you gloria we really appreciate that she took the time for us to share her knowledge and experience we will also invite gloria in the next episodes to talk more about sexually transmitted diseases, tests, infections, uh, contraception, and so on. So don't miss it. And as we promised, we asked people about this topic and the answers are really different and really interesting. So are you curious? We yes, are. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's listen to our guests. So hello everyone, my name is Sasha. I'm from Russia and I'm 24. Hello, so my name is Lucas. I'm from France and I'm 18. Hello guys, I'm Francesca. I come from Italy. I am here for the project with Mushtar FM Radio. Victor is Hungarian 
and a student of Debrecen University, right? Yeah, Hi, thank Victor. you very much. Hello. <laughs> Hello, my name is Kati. I'm 18 and I'm from Mallorca in Spain. Hello, my name is Sonia and I am from Germany. Hello, everyone. I'm Rajesh Kangembam and I come from a small state in India called Manipur. And currently I'm doing my PhD in the Debrecen University. And uh, I would like to say thank you to Chenya and Maite for giving me that an, an opportunity to talk on this interesting topic. Did you have sex education lessons at school? If it's yes, at what age or grade? No, never. Well, I can say yes, but uh, very few, I think. At the beginning of high school, so I was, I don't know. 16? Yeah, around 16. 16. Yeah. It was first lesson. Yeah. I think, in general, in Italy, sex education is still a sensitive problem. And um, what I can remember, uh, during elementary school and middle school, I didn't... Uh, attend this topic but uh, during high school I remember we took part in uh, a series of meetings about sex education but uh, they were not too much deep. Not in that organized way as you can see it for example American series or, or movies but I remember that uh, it was part of the biology lesson in seventh grade. Uh, that seven. we were, mm -hmm. yeah, seven, six, I don't remember mm -hmm. perfectly, but some kind of that, that age, yeah, so like mm -hmm. 12, 13 years old I could be. And yeah, we were talking about the human body and of course it uh, led us to talk about sex. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but in that age we already knew uh, the basics of course but it was also good that the biology teacher of us told us that she will go out of the classroom and if you have any kind of question then just go to the board and write it in a way you can say that it's a good method because maybe can be scared to ask the teacher But in a way for me, when I'm now 23 years old, I'm thinking about maybe not the best way because still there are the other mm -hmm. students and they can bully that yes. person if asked a um, question which can be embarrassing, mm -hmm. uh, more like embarrassing the conclusions of the, the bullying if happens. But yeah, kind of a little bit we had. <laughs> I remember just two or three sex education lessons during all my school years. The first one in primary and then in secondary school at the age of 14 or 15. I had sex education lessons in school, but I don't really remember when. I think it was around 7th or 8th grade when I was around 14 years old. And it was not long. I think we only had like four lessons. And it was not only about sex education, it was also about getting your period as a girl and stuff like this. So it was a mix with other things. And I don't really remember a lot. I didn't have a proper sex education per se, but you know, uh, during my school time, we still have a course called Moral Science. Basically, this subject taught the class how to have a good moral, how to act properly in, in front of parents or in front of, you know, just a moral lesson. So one of these lesson there was a class which kind of tell you how to uh, how to behave when you are in adolescence how to you know control our 
feelings. It was a very subtle topic. How should we should respect women or how should we not just hug or kiss or, you know, something in this life. But not as direct as uh, sex education. So, so no, we didn't have a proper sex education. And, oh, yeah, and another thing, okay, now now I remember. Like, during my, uh, by the ending period of my high school, we had a biological the course on uh Reproduction system, yes. So I think in that class we actually learn more on this, on this. Or even though it doesn't technically qualify as a sex education, we were taught about a lot on self sex and then you know how it works or like how does the human body works in a and how our hormones could play into it. So so yeah, I think I learn a bit from this also. I mean, I know it's a surprise. Well, I'm from India, the land of. Kama Sutra, I should be more adapted or more, more, more taught on this lesson. But, but sadly, or I mean, unfortunately, no, we didn't have a proper sex exercise. Do you have a chat with parents about this topic? Well, when I think when I was already grown up, so to say, like when I was like 1920, and I didn't really need that talk that much, but nothing really. Not really, I think. <laughs> Difficult <laughs> questions. Okay, I don't have in general a good relationship with my parents. And uh, it's the same about this topic. I still remember when um, we were uh, watching, for example, movies all together with my family. And there were sex uh, scenes. <laughs> And I remember uh, my parents, uh, they were uh, talking over the, <laughs> the voice of the film, the sound, or they tried to shift attention, mm -hmm. uh, to focus attention. <laughs> like, elsewhere. okay, Francesca, tell us about your classes today at school. <laughs> yes, with me and my two brothers. <laughs> Yeah, when I was 11 already. 11. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's why I said that uh, the rest of the basics we already know. And yeah, we were chatting about that. Yeah, can happen that a person, me as a boy, not just will love girls, but can be that also boys or just boys. So we were talking about this. About transgender we didn't much talk because my parents neither know too much just a little bit from tv but that we talked separately when uh, we saw those people in the tv mm -hmm. but uh, frankly my parents were never those kind of traditional parents who were judging them they were just showing that yeah this is happened lucky you <laughs> <laughs> No, we never had a talk about sex education, but it was not a taboo topic either. We can talk normally about it. Not really. I never had a private talk with my parents about this. I think because they always assumed that I know a lot about sex since I have two older sisters and they always had boyfriends. So I kind of like I was confronted with this since a really young age and um, I heard conversations with my sisters and my parents about this and we talked about this at the dining table so it was a topic that was always not always there but yeah 
I kind of like knew a lot about this since I was young. So I never talked with my parents in private about this. There is no specific reason behind, but I uh, kind of always knew how things work since they were talking about this a lot of times. Definitely not. I know that it's kind of funny that coming from as I mentioned, the land where this, uh, where we have a temple dedicated to the art of sex and, you know, Karma Sutra and all. But no, when it comes to family, uh, oof, no, it's, this is a very tough topic. Tough in the sense it's awkward. So I never spoke with my parents on this topic and I didn't have any siblings. So no, I don't talk with anyone. You know, we even used to have a, a funny incident. Like if I see kissing scene in a movie i had to pretend like this is not just me like we we generally used to like we, we had to turn our face away or you know if if my parents are holding the remote control they had to change the channel like it's 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 a very awkward situation but i had one cousin brother he was more or less a person who kind of introduced me to this topic and then we kind of talk or talk more on this you know and and out of my curiosity also i used to ask you know, like, oh, what is this? What is this? You know, you know, this guy's talk. How do you think he learned more about sex education? <laughs> Instruction to condoms. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no. Um, I learned about it, I think, primarily through internet because you can Google anything, literally. Of course, I had some chats, but, you know, like, very... Uh, not really deep talks, but some chats with one of my relatives. She was really cautious about it, and um, she was a teacher. She used to tell me and my cousins, for example, that, hey, I know that your parents will never talk to you about it mm -hmm. because I know your family, we're relatives. And that's why she always, like, you know, in a very cautious delicate way, she tried to explain that just not like my parents would say, don't have sex like this is the best preservative like uh, not not to have <laughs> any relationship with anybody but she could explain and that you know unfortunately women are not in the best case if they get pregnant and diseases and stuff mm -hmm. like that i think for me more about internet because yeah like i said my parents i didn't discuss it really with my parents and at school never because well if you wanted you could go to the nursing office for example to to say okay i want to talk about this but I, in nursing office <laughs> yeah because uh -huh. when we had um oh yeah sexual education it was with this uh this doctor can say mm -hmm. that yeah, this person who was formed to do and to say things like that but i don't think really that people were going there. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think, yeah, once or twice that we had sexual education. So, yeah, it's not with that that we are going to learn, uh, well, not everything, but a lot of things. Our family could be, but it was not. <laughs> Schools, I think, friends and your partner. I think through social media movies or by friends, and it's not usually always scary because they can show unreal or fantasy situations that little come close to the truth. I think definitely I learned the most through social media, I would say, because I always had access to the internet. Since I'm a teenager, I have a, a smartphone and I always had the possibility to Google things. And that's what I did. So um, because it was the fastest and easiest way to look up for things, not because I was too afraid to ask my parents. Yes, it would have been a bit weird and awkward. And yeah, so but still 
I use the internet the most and at home, of course, through my sisters, I think I also learned something and a bit school, but mostly um, internet, social media. You know, as I grew up, social media was not as big thing as right now. And although I had some internet access, but I could not access the internet every time. And then, you know, and it is always monitored. So I could not access much, but somehow I could like whenever find or whenever I had the chance that I used to go through some materials you know come on I mean I'm I'm growing up I was young adolescent so so the internet a bit helped me to learn and then you know and I and I used to read some magazine uh, I mean my aunties used to subscribe to a magazine called Femina which is actually more of a fashion magazine but there, there used to be a column ask me doctor or something like that which you can talk about mainly it is mainly for STDs and, and then this sexual health related stuff so that magazine also I think it kind of helped me a lot uh, to you know I was curious I was reading and and I could also gain very insightful useful knowledge on this and also i think even among our friends we used to exchange some uh some uh, erotica literature i don't know if this qualifies as sex education but yeah and through these stories or like comics we used to learn a bit i mean come on please no judgment none of us had playboy magazines or something like that i learned more on this uh, through friends and through uh, a bit of internet and some magazines how did you first get condoms Well, interesting. I just bought it in the pharmacy. I didn't feel ashamed for that. I was like, hey, guys, I don't want to get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh, something like this. And uh, my aunt works uh, for hospital in, a, how can I put it in beautiful English, responsible for the department where children are born, <laughs> let's say so. Okay, and, we got it. <laughs> yeah, and she always told me some some stories and I know that they were distributing free condoms to their patients and mm -hmm. so on so for me it was okay that somebody's doing that and that you know you should use protection honestly I don't remember but <laughs> I think um, maybe school really in school yeah for me it's strange because I attend Catholic school. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's really good. Yes. Okay, this is actually funny. Like, it is very uncommon in our place, at least during that time, to where you can buy a packet of condom in a supermarket. No, this is not very common. You can get, you know, birth controls only in pharmacies. So if you have to buy, you have to go to a drugstore. So when I first did it, I went to a drugstore, which is the least, uh, you know, busy one i went up to it and then i asked for a tablet of paracetamol first no kidding no joking <laughs> because it was really awkward so i thought like hey um, can i get a tablet of paracetamol and the pharmacist guy, oh yeah why not and then he gave me and when he was closer to me i asked him and if you have could you give me a packet of Manforce, you know, Manforce is the brand name of a condom. So, like, I do like we didn't even, I didn't even had the courage to say condom directly. So, I just tell the brand name. And how I know this brand name, there was a very popular TV ad where people were actually the government and the, you know, our ads control society were saying practice safe sex. And also, that is also how I come to know of the brand name. So, I had to buy an unnecessary packet of paracetamol tablet. And only after that, I had to ask for a packet of condom. If I look back, it's actually hilarious because this was really uh, a, a funny and, you know, I was having this 
cold sweat and this was my first experience ever but nowadays i have heard that uh, it's easier to buy it like i can even go to a, a small shop a grocery store or even the our government is is making it even freely available in a you know public health you know in a hospital or dispensary where you don't even have to buy so i think had it been this time it would have been much easier and much less awkward i, I guess do you think people get good sex education in your country no I think it's one it's still one of the taboo topics in my country because we are raised by the generation of people who were born in Soviet Russia and in Sovietic times there was a saying that there is no sex in Soviet Russia which is of course false but it was never promoted and uh, always was seen as um something bad like something like a scene mm-hmm. and uh That's why I think I believe it still influences uh, modern Russia and that very less people are open-minded to speak about it especially in schools and uh, provide information to children. Good I would say no because <laughs> well we are not talking about it a lot so yeah there is a few things but it's not really evoked more than that. Another difficult questions. <laughs> Honestly, I think uh, no because for me sexuality is uh, I don't know an integral part of uh, every individual life sexuality mm-hmm. and school uh, could be help in this uh, process of discovering uh, our sexuality yes I think uh, we could uh, start uh, teaching uh, or I don't know mm, making workshops or meetings mm-hmm. before I think in maybe elementary school no it's too much early but uh, in middle school I think yes maybe I don't know reading books novels about this topic mm-hmm. or uh, inviting people or no mm, yes, from outside yes, and sure. explain maybe associations I don't know too much about the other parts of Hungary. I can more talk about my county, my region. And um, here I think not the best. Maybe in other parts of Hungary better. But at least in bigger cities, you can talk about these topics. So as we are in Nyíregyháza, in the seventh biggest uh, city in Hungary, I think here more primary schools and high schools take care about this topic. Maybe... smaller towns also but i don't have too much information about these no at all in spain there's lack of sex education that's why i just had like two lessons in my life and normally people have a little knowledge of what sex education for through social media it's a difficult question because the schools are really different in germany depends on where you live the um, school education is also different and it also depends on what school you're going to so i cannot say this for this whole for the whole country but in general i would say it's okay because i know in some countries it's worse and in my school it was okay i think they could have done more because for me it was too early in the age of 14 i was not thinking of having sex and then when i was older i almost forgot everything they taught me back then so 
I would have preferred later time. But what is good, what I think, what I liked was like um, when there was the World AIDS Day, they always gave out condoms every year and kind of like um, made people aware of this topic and draw attention to the issue. And I actually liked this. No, our people in my country, I would say we don't get a very good sex education, even though I believe and then I think I well, the policy education policy has changed and you know the I, the the policy makers or the education or the education department are trying to incorporate some sex education in the whole syllabus and curriculum and I think this is a very good step. I mean we are supposed to have more advanced knowledge on this and I mean I'm sorry to say but our country is really notorious and infamous for uh, you know raps and crime against women which is really a, a, a very sad thing with more sex education and then more awareness i believe a lot of our problems could be solved so i think we uh, i mean me personally i would be more than happy to uh, tell my kids for example in the future to talk about it i mean with the time with the right time and place i would talk about it so i think uh, for now Things are improving, but I don't think it is as good as how it is here in the, I don't know, the Western, I, I believe, I don't know how is it here in Hungary, but I think, yeah, we are coming to the point slowly, slowly to, to have sex education in the school. Tell us which nicknames you or your parents or grandma used for genitals in native language. <laughs> Just like really in Russian? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think they didn't really name the like i never heard my mom uh, say vagina like vagina never that's like voldemort voldemort yeah 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 like they <laughs> never they never they never my my grandmother never used word sex never <laughs> never Mm-mm. it doesn't exist for her i know in her in her universe it doesn't exist anymore <laughs> but <laughs> um well zz And uh, actually, that's the first one that come to my mind. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! For female, <laughs> we used um, fun uh, nicknames. I don't know, farfalla, patata, patatina. <laughs> my grandmother used uh, piscida. I don't know what is the, the meaning of this, but my my grandmother is almost seventy years old. <laughs> I don't know if it's Italian, this word, but she, she called Pisida. People used a lot of nicknames, especially in kindergarten for genitals, like Mumu for vagina, like the kindergarten teachers, they said this a lot, or I heard this from friends, families. So it's a common thing, but we never did this. We do have nicknames for our genitals. A lot, actually. Like some are very um, <laughs> funny, some are vulgar some are just for uh, out of respect and to tell a few for example for a guy like uh, for a male genital this we are we refer it in a very good way no no but there are vulgar terms also but i'm not going to tell this and this is not hindi i mean i'm from manipur and this is manipuri why do you think people rename genitals do you think it's a good idea I think the fact that they rename or avoid naming things directly is really closely direct um, linked to the fact that they don't speak about it, like that they are not ready to speak about it and openly. And uh, 
I think it's just avoidance of uh, this topic in general. Like, uh, I'm not interested in do that. You know, like, do whatever you want. You're there alone. Like, you're left alone with that mm-hmm. information. I know how many girls are scared when they first got their periods, for example. And in Russia, sometimes some parents, they don't really feel like they need to explain. Mm-hmm. To explain how the ovulation works, how the cycle works, for example. And <laughs> then you get to the doctor, like the woman's doctor. And the woman's doctor's like, oh, you don't know how it works. Didn't your mom tell you how it works? And she's like, no, <laughs> nobody speaks in my family about this topic because it's also related to that genitals, to sex, to mm-hmm. childbirth, which is not good, you know, for we don't want you to get pregnant. So better not to speak about it, because probably when we don't speak about it, you will never have this idea in your head. <laughs> <laughs> it, it works this way, right? No. <laughs> That's a good question. I think maybe some sort of ashamed of talk about real name of things like that to children because they maybe they think that uh, using special names, if you can say that, to children it's more, it's better for them. But yeah, I don't really know why. Honestly, I don't know because now I don't really see the interest of changing names. Well, I understand, I can understand a bit why, but uh, for me, there is no really interest. So maybe for me, it will be better if not, because on a way, uh, it can confuse children if you are learning this when you are a child and then you are learning, for example, in biology mm-hmm. lessons, other things. Maybe you will get confused or I don't know. But don't you think it's even maybe put more stigma on this topic and make more problems? Because if people even cannot name their own genitals, they cannot speak about this topic freely. And for these reasons, maybe, you know, there are some consequences. Yeah, maybe also. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. (laughs) Because... Maybe we use uh, them for enjoying. I don't know. Mm. And it's fun to <laughs> to call. Uh, I don't know. Or maybe because uh, again, in my family, I never talk about uh, vagina, for example. So maybe yes, because of shame. So because people cannot say it directly. Exactly. Yes. I think we never used nicknames for genitals in my family and I'm quite happy about this. Or at least I don't remember anything right now because I think it's stupid. Um, Why should you use a different name for this? There are words to describe it and um, you should not feel ashamed to say these words. But I think people use it because they think it's... I don't know, it's forbidden to say this in front of your kid because they're too young and maybe they feel ashamed for it, I don't know. I think it depends on the context. Like, I would not want a boy to say, uh, Mom, uh, mom uh, I have a pen on my penis in my the literal translation because it would be bad or even, a, I don't know. But I think it depends whether it's a good, good idea or um, this all depends on the context. So it becomes bad only if we, if we make it in a very sexualized or, or in a very vulgar way, in a very vulgar degrading way so until then if you are just doing it for the sake of teaching a kid or trying to be polite you know when you refer to a part i believe it is fine have you seen sex education netflix tv show and if yes what do you think about it no should i 
I really liked about Sex Education the series, the Netflix series. Yes, I re- I, yes and I really like the figure of um, Otis' mom. She is. Yes. sex uh, therapist and I really like uh, her figure okay maybe she's too much intrusive <laughs> in uh, <laughs> her son's life but I really like uh, that figure because I think uh, the first place uh, where uh, we could uh, talk uh, about sex education is the family mm-hmm. then school of course but firstly I think is family no not really <laughs> Ah, you mean the the Netflix one? Yes. Oh, that one I talked uh, like in the Hollywood uh, series and movies. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> anyway, no. <laughs> no, but I heard about it. It has a really good review. Yes, yes. And uh, I, for example, in Russia, because <laughs> we don't have another opportunity, <laughs> I mean, sex education, I would recommend this TV show for teens, really, as a part of this no education because that's so cool i highly recommend maybe i will watch it also yes i've seen all seasons and i think it's a very necessary program for teenagers or even adults because it shows loads of situations and real circumstances that exist but don't have visibility in our society and i've never watched sex education on netflix i have heard about it probably it is on my watch list but i don't know i'm not much interested in this in this kind of series of films or in this genre. I'm not even sure if this is a real sex education series or just a romantic or a teenager romantic comedy. So maybe, I don't know, if it is good, probably I would go and have a look this tonight now that we are talking on this. And yeah, all in all, it was a nice talk having you guys here and I mean, giving me the chance. And yeah, I'm looking forward to this podcast. I would even listen to it. Yeah. So thank you so much once more. Bye and stay safe and have a nice day. That's all for today. I hope you enjoyed it and perhaps you learned something new or at least you got the motivation to learn it. If you want to talk about sex education or related issues, just text us on Instagram or Facebook Mushtar FM. We are really interested in listening to different opinions. This is why this program is called Point of View. Thank you, Senia, to invite me to be part in this interesting program. Thank you, Maite, for discussion <laughs> and your stories. <laughs> You're welcome. It's a pleasure. I like to share my experience life. Listen to us every Thursday from 10 to 12 on Mushtar FM and also online on any platform for podcasts. And don't miss the next episode about sex education in September. See ya! See you!